Challenging men to be great men. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author, Stephen Mansfield. Well, welcome to the inaugural episode of the Great Man Podcast. Man, am I excited about this. I've been looking forward to doing a podcast devoted to men for many years, and here it is, episode one of the Great Man Man podcast. Thanks for being part of it. This is going to be a weekly podcast. It's going to be about 10 minutes. That's all I think we need to do so men can listen to it when they're driving to work or sitting on the pot or between other things they're doing. I am looking forward to impacting men. I'm looking forward to you listening to it and living it out and sharing it with others. So I want something brief and mobile and fun and hard hitting and something we can all digest. Really appreciate you being part of this. Listen, before I go any further, I've got some people I want to thank because we all stand on the shoulders of giants when we do anything. And I certainly have benefited from the lives of other men. I want to thank John Eldridge. If you don't know the works of John Eldridge, I hope you'll look them up and read them. His book, Wild at Heart, dramatically changed my life and led me to this point. So look him up. But also, I want to say thank you, John, friend of mine. Really appreciate Wild at Heart and even giving me personal counsel from time to time on the phone. Uh, I want to thank Brett McKay of Art of Manliness. If you have not logged on to artofmanliness.com, I'm telling you that is a treasure trove. It's amazing. Uh, Brett studied classics at his university years before he became a lawyer. And so uh, you're likely to get a podcast or get a, uh, some kind of a blog one time, and it's about how to grill meat in the backyard. The next time it's about manhood, according to Socrates. Pretty amazing podcast, pretty amazing man. So you want to get into that. And Brett has dramatically impacted me and and helped me. Uh, One man who's impacted me is former Secretary of Education, William Bennett. We have spoken. I have been on his radio broadcast and appeared on television with him. And uh, his books and his thinking and his stand for manliness has really, really helped me. So thank you, Secretary uh, Bennett. Uh, Ann Douglas, a woman whose name you might not know, a Columbia scholar, wrote a seminal book about manhood and about the feminization of American culture. In fact, it was called The Feminization of American Culture. Profoundly impacted me, deeply taught me. Uh, History is my academic field, my doctorate's in history. And and so she spoke my language. And uh, man, wonderful book, powerful book, not even in print anymore as far as I know. But I treasure my copy and have read it many times. And it really helped frame American manhood for me. Um, I know it's a little bit weird to thank uh, former statesmen and presidents who have passed away, Uh, but Theodore Roosevelt and Winston Churchill have both impacted me like I am their buddy. Uh, I have read so much of their writings, have so many of their books and collections and books about them, have pondered their messages and the meaning of their life so much they they feel like men I hang out with. So I couldn't possibly start this podcast without talking about their influence in my life. And one man who has not passed away, thank God, uh, but has profoundly impacted me is Lieutenant General William Boykin. Lieutenant General William Boykin. If you've seen the movie Black Hawk Down, you have seen one of his operations. If you're familiar with Delta
Delta Force, uh, you are familiar with his work. He's an amazing American hero. Uh, his writings, his thinking, his teaching, his preaching about manhood has profoundly changed me. And uh, I was so honored to have him write the foreword of my book, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men. So, General Boykin, thank you very, very much for impacting me. Now, let's get on with it. Again, every week, 10 minutes directed towards men, calling men to action. Help us get the word out. Send it out to people who need it. Get your sons involved. Get your friends involved. Get your family involved. And let's feed this great man movement that's happening the world over. I want to reflect here just in the next few minutes about what I have seen of manhood in the recovery from Hurricane Harvey. All of you know, I'm sure if you're listening to this, that Hurricane Harvey slammed into South Texas, a state where I lived for 10 years in Abilene, and I feel it keenly. I have a lot of friends down there. Some are pastors, some are lawyers, some are statesmen, um, but profoundly concerned about what's happened there. A lot of lives have been taken, and it's going to take years to rebuild. And because we had some warning about this storm, the press has really done a good job reporting from it. I'm sure there have been moments of tension. And, and I'm sure there's been some reporting that's been odd, but I, found, I have found the, the press reporting to be compassionate and fair and balanced and wise uh, from all the networks, frankly. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really moved by what I see. But I tend to see the world through the lens of manhood and righteous manhood and noble manhood and, and men arising to their best, certainly not taking anything away from women and what they've contributed to the recovery and to the rescue efforts. Of course, Texas women are an amazing breed, but uh, I want to just highlight what I've seen because I believe they are really the pillars of not only what this podcast is about, but what we need to be about as men in this generation. First of all, I've been deeply moved by how how men have taken responsibility. Now, I know this was a crisis. I know it was a disaster. I know it'll be a disaster for quite some time. But And so therefore, men were sort of forced to act. But I love seeing men when they take responsibility. You know, thank God for the people in uniform. Thank God for our governments. Thank God for uh, the officials. But in Texas, the story is going to be when it's all said and done, that men simply got in their boats and got busy. They took responsibility. They weren't waiting for Superman. They weren't waiting for rescue. They didn't sit on the roof and wait for officials to show up. They knew the officials were going to be overwhelmed, and that's no criticism of them. Who could, who can really be ready for a 500-year storm? But men got busy. They got in their boats. They started rescuing people. You could tell that guys who had never used a boat for anything but fishing got out there, saved lives, saved uh, the lives of people who looked different from them and talked different from them and have different backgrounds from them. I love seeing boats full of South Texas Bubba's and Hispanic men and African-American men and, and Asian women and Asian men. I just, I love seeing the mixture. I love seeing them all help each other. And I love that men took responsibility. If you've heard me speak and I've been using my keynote presentations that I use for the various talks I do to men, then you have probably uh, seen me present uh, an episode or at least a few moments from an episode of the Andy Griffith show. 
And I love a scene in which uh, Barney and Goober are left by Andy in Mayberry to sort of guard the town. In other words, Andy's off. Andy, the sheriff, is off doing business. And so uh, Barney and Goober are feeling 10 feet tall and bulletproof. They're in their uniforms and they're taking care of the city. Well, after a while, they see that the bank is being robbed. Some crooks are about to rob the bank. And, and Goober, all excited, says, well, we need to call the police. And Barney says, we are the police. And I love that scene because this is what I'm saying to men and what men I know are saying to each other. Uh, I'm certainly not saying that men should take the law in their own hands or be the police in some kind of vigilante star chamber way. That's silly. That's, that's illegal. I'm not advocating that at all. But I love the attitude among men where they are, they are acting as though they are the ones responsible. I'm not waiting for Superman. I'm not waiting for a rescue from an official source, unless, of course, that's what I'm legally obligated to do in an extreme situation. But when it comes to manhood, I look around and I say, we are the police. We're the ones who are going to have to do this. We're the ones who are going to have to rescue the boys. We're the ones who are going to have to build a culture of noble manhood. We're the ones who are going to have to help each other heal. And we may even have to father men of our own age, of our same age, because if we're waiting for some great white father or some great father of any color, any race, any time, any, any type to come along and father us, um, we're going to be waiting a long time. So I love seeing this played out in the response to Harvey, men taking responsibility, saying to themselves, there are people in trouble. There are people under threat. It's my obligation. Let's get to it. And they did it. The second thing I love seeing is that men teamed. I was watching CNN and there were a couple of guys who together, a black, an African-American guy and and an an uh, Hispanic gentleman. Uh, who had been rescuing people for about five hours, they said. And the CNN interviewer said, well, how did you two meet? And they looked at each other kind of puzzled and said, well, we just met earlier today. And then they said, well, well you know, asked him about if they'd, they'd never met before. You, 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 you don't, didn't know each other before? Never? No, we never knew each other. We just met this morning. And then the CNN interviewer said, well, what, do you know each other's names? And the Hispanic guy reached over and shook the African-American guy's hand and said, hi, I'm Jose. And they introduced each other to, to introduce themselves to each other right there on CNN as their camera was running. Well, what's the point? Listen, they weren't there to, to, to hang out or to buddy up or to go shoot hoops. They were there to, to get a job done. They teamed up. And I loved seeing the teaming. I'm sorry it was necessary, but I love the fact that when men team, it's a beautiful thing. Men knew that they couldn't do it alone. They couldn't steer the boat and pick up the dogs and help the grandmas into the boats and carry the food and float the stuff down the streets that were flooded. They couldn't do it alone. So they teamed. I saw sometimes six college students pushing a truck out of the water. I saw two men of two different races and two different ages carrying a grandma in her chair to the back of a, of a big old army truck. Men learn, know how to team. They learn how if they don't know how. And I'm sorry that for the disaster down there, but I love the beauty of men teaming because many times, especially when we're talking to men, let's say at men's conferences or teaching men how to be men, there's sort of a feeling that 
that we give them a list of things they've got to do and they go off and have to do it by themselves. But but the reality is we can't do it alone. Uh, we can't do noble manhood alone. We can't accomplish in our lives what we need to accomplish. I really can't father my children alone. I'm not the best husband when I'm just left to it alone. I need other men in my life. I need other men guiding me. I need other men uh, teaming with me and doing it together and, and, and doing the things that need to be done. So I love the beauty of teaming. And that's what we need to be about in this generation. And that's what this podcast is going to be about. One of the beautiful things that I saw, number three, in the Harvey response was men teaching each other. I remember uh, one man had been had been basically soggy and wet all day, and another guy, this was on camera, said, look, I'm farm, former army, and I got to tell you, you can't be in wet clothes all day. You can't be wearing those wet boots all day. Here's what you have to do. You got to treat your feet this way, and you got to get some other boots, and, and maybe you can get some water boots, and, and if you can't do that, then get some plastic. And he just gave him a mini seminar on how to work in you know wetness, as the guy was intending to do for days, but he taught him. Uh, another guy, completely different couple of guys. Um, one taught the other one about hydration. He said, I know you're floating around in water out here, but it's hot and uh, and you're being dehydrated. Here's how to take care of yourself. Here's how to hydrate. Um, men talked about how to do their boats the best way. One guy was talking about the difference between his trolling mo- motor and his outboard and how another guy needed to handle his boat so he handled it the right way and didn't do any damage to the blades. And Men teach each other. I've always loved what happens in a pickup basketball game. Guys, who don't even know each other's names will instantly start coaching each other and helping each other be better. We need that in our lives. It's not just te- it's not just teaming as though we're all equally skilled in doing things together. We all have different skills, different areas of knowledge, different areas of expertise. And so we help each other and we teach each other. And I loved seeing that dynamic in the response to Harvey. And then, of course, we all know that what's what's next now that the storm is receding is building. And already, while the waters were still high, men started building. Men started teaming up and taking down roofs and rebuilding roofs and helping widows and, and, and fixing cars. And in one dry lot, one guy was fixing cars as fast as he possibly could and not even charging anybody because he knew the fixed cars were part of the rebuilding process. We build. Men are made to build. Men are made to construct. When you do a, when, when they do aptitude tests between men and women, bad news guys, women are superior in every single category uh, as uh, over men except for two, abstract thought and aggression. Women are superior in every area, guys. Get used to it. But abstract thought and aggression, which means the future, which means dominion, which means taking the land, which means conquering the horizon, so to speak. That's what men are good at. And and I'm not saying women are. Don't misunderstand me. I never am putting women down uh, or, or treating them like second-class citizens. I believe exactly the opposite. But I do believe that men, um, amongst their few gifts, <laughs> is that they can build and build in terms of a destined or an envisioned future. And that's happening in the response to Harvey. And it's got to happen in our lives. Where's that happening in your life? And then finally, I, I love the fact that I saw repeatedly the thing that men have to do once they've built a masculine culture, uh, once we've uh, taken responsibility and teamed up, started teaching each other and started building what needs to be built, we have to initiate the young. In one of the things, uh, one of the episodes or news reports that I saw related to Harvey, I don't know what network it was, but there was a man uh, who was helping people in the boat and another guy was in the water helping people in the boat. And the young man who was piloting the boat 
looked to be about seven years old. And the, the guy who was interviewed, and who may have been his father, I don't know, but some older man said, yeah, we just taught him how to do that a little while ago. So here's the seven, maybe eight, who could have been nine years old, somewhere in there, young man. And the, and the older men, the father figures just said, look, people are in need, come on. And they pushed him way beyond his natural abilities and taught him responsibilities. And there he was in the front. And I, I'm not saying he literally had like a, like a Greek skipper's cap on and a stogie hanging out of his mouth, but he was, he was handling that boat with an attitude and a kind of confidence that said, hey, I'm one of these men too, and we're going to do this thing right. And um, there's an African proverb that I I always cite, it's, it's, it's said in all the villages in Africa, we must initiate the boys or they will burn the village down. And if you've been listening to me for any length at all or reading what I write, you know that I believe that ISIS, street gangs, misbehaving young men on college campuses, um, the, 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 the bad culture, the drunken culture, the, the druggy culture of our youth, all of that uh, is about uninitiated young men uh, misbehaving and living out the implications of their unfathered, untethered, unprincipled lives. And I think that's why we have to initiate the boys. So I'm sorry that Harvey has happened. I'm sorry for the suffering, but I'm grateful for what's being exhibited of righteous manhood. And be assured that here at at the Great Man Podcast and on our website, greatman.tv, this is what we're going to be talking about. Join us and be a great man. To join the Great Man community or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's two essential books for men, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men and Building Your Band of Brothers, as well as some other great resources for becoming a great man. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production.